movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 35, and I'm super excited for this one. We have a ton of news that should be really great to go over, as well as a fantastic movie discussion later with the best comic book movie casting choices of all time. But before we get to that, or the movie news, Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm I'm tired, man. <laughs> I I'm not feel all that. Uh, had a long weekend last last weekend of wrestling and um, past two weeks of training have been nothing but straight cardio because our, our we had to take our ring down for reasons. We share the gym with a, a boxing school and they've got events going on, so we've just been doing nothing but straight cardio for two weeks straight. And, and I'll tell you what. If uh, if I'm not dead by the end of the, this pit next weekend, it'll be a miracle. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I already know that this weekend is going to be a long weekend because my weekend job has already told me, hey, we're probably going to run long both days with baseball on Saturday and NASCAR on Sunday. I'm just like, whatever, I'm paid hourly, but let's do this. Um, <laughs> so we've got a ton of great movie news to discuss, with any which – could have been our movie discussion for today, but we already determined what we we're going to go with. Um, first of all, we had something that broke, I think it was either midday or late Thursday, so we kind of like just missed it in last week's episode. Now, keep in mind, a lot of places are reporting this as 100%, and I even think I posted on the Uncharted Media Facebook page that this was uh, officially happening, but it's not official official yet, Yeah, and that is that Robert Pattinson is our new Batman in the Matt Reeves Batman movie. It's not official yet, but it more or less seems like they're just kind of waiting to sign on the dotted line and work out all the technical details. It's either Robert Pattinson or Nicholas Holt, but it more or less seems to be that our new Batman is Robert Pattinson, which has garnered, of course, a mixed reaction from the internet community, as almost everything nowadays garners garners a mixed reaction from the internet. Off the bat, Josh, what do you think of this casting? Um, I don't think you and I were quiet about how actually pretty okay we were with this. Um, the big thing is I think a lot of people only know Pat- Pattinson from Twilight, first of all. And uh, it's really been – it's been interesting too to see the some of the, the positive reactions in that to, – to this in that some people are like, you know – Everybody was like, oh, my goodness, you know, Twilight guy, why? But, like, it's been 13 years since Twilight, give or take. And somebody went through some of the best characters, you know, super, uh, superhero characters and actors that we've ever had and what they were doing 13, year, 13 years before they got that role. Like, I yeah. think I saw some, something like uh, Michael Keaton was doing, like, little bit jokes on some small TV show, like, 13 years before he got Batman. Like... This yeah, is a, this I've is, had to shoot down so many arguments with people that more or less, without outright stating it, they more or less were hating on Robert Pattinson being the new Batman, more or less because he was in Twilight, of like, he was in teen movies that were made for girls and like teen soapy stuff. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, Christian Bale did Newsies, a musical. And yeah, Michael that Keaton, was another point I saw. And Michael Keaton did Mr. Mom. Well, well, he's too young. Um, Robert Pattinson is 33. You want to know how old Christian Bale was when he was cast as Batman? 31. Yeah. And also, it's... the one that frustrated me the most was somebody who is 
a good friend of mine, but he cares more about the aesthetics. He's like, he's too small. He's not going to bulk up. Dude, when Christian Bale was cast for Batman Begins, he was coming off of... He weighed 95 pounds. Yes. And everyone, the, the big story there was actually not necessarily would he bulk up, but how dangerous it was going to be for him to bulk up. And then when he did bulk up, he over bulked up to the point that he was exactly. actually fat. Yes. It was but awesome. All these arguments more or less are just, we don't like Robert Pattinson. He's a pretty boy, Twilight, teen heartthrob. Um, almost every okay. superhero has been. Captain America was in all those teen comedies as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. No one ever said anything about that. I think it more or less was just whoever was cast as Batman was going to get complaints. Um, we both, almost as soon as it was ca- uh, announced, we p- just stood on our metaphoric hills and proclaimed this is a good idea because the last time we didn't with Batman was Ben Affleck. And we're like, this might be a bad idea. I think I changed my tune after about a week, but even at the time, I was like, that's a bad idea. And then we both lived to regret it, as Ben Affleck was a great Batman. Just didn't really get the proper showcase of those talents. Yes. Well, and it's really funny, too, because a lot of people will sit here and say that Ben Affleck is not a good Batman at all, which is not true, um, or at least in, in our opinions. I think- ben Affleck, to me, is the same thing as Henry Cavill. Perfect in the role, but didn't get a good vehicle to showcase what they could do with a film. Exactly. And even then, like, we got a hint of an actual really good martial arts Batman. And that is something we've been saying we've been wanting. Yes. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if we get official confirmation of this later um, within the coming weeks or the coming months. I'm very much okay with Robert Pattinson, actually. Um... We were debating for this episode, uh, do we want to do best movie casting choices or worst movie casting choices? And I'm sure we'll get to worst eventually, but we're like, let's be a little more optimistic. Because I think when all is said and done, um, Robert Pattinson will be a really good casting choice for Batman. There's a film that he did called Cosmopolis, um, which I really want to see. Apparently, that's more or less what he'll be like as Bruce Wayne of a young billionaire. Uh, And I'm just like, okay. I want to see that, and I found where I can watch it for free, so I'm going to check that out soon. Uh, I kind of, Whenever somebody is casting that or there's a big movie coming out, I kind of like to do homework on what to expect. So Robert Pattinson, honestly, I don't know that much of his indie filmography, so I kind of want to go back and see what I can kind of expect from his acting approach, as well as what Matt Reeves may bring to the table. Speaking of which, the other rumor is, this one is a little more rumorish, and as opposed to more concrete with the Robert Pattinson casting, uh, the rumored villains right now give me the biggest eye rolls in the world of the rumored villains right now are Penguin and Catwoman. Which is pretty straightforward. I'm not okay with this. I think it depends on the direction they take the Batman. Um, uh, oh, I agree. It just feels like Batman Returns right off the bat of I'm fine with Penguin being in a movie. I'm fine with Catwoman being in a movie. I have a problem with them being in the same movie. Fair enough. Like Granted, you could have Catwoman is... and Two-Face and Riddler and Penguin like divvied up that way. But the fact that they're going with Penguin and Catwoman again in the same movie like, oh, come on. Batman is like Spider-Man and has one of the best rogues gallery out there. Give some new people a chance. Clayface, Hush, Calendar Man. 
Yeah, Ra- I, uh, I think actual Ra's al Ghul. Yes, um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait until I give an opinion on that. Only because I agree that it. I agree that it, it, it comes off as Batman Returns, like right off the bat. But I also consider what Gotham has done with Batman and, and Catgirl, a Catwoman, and I consider what Batman Returns looked like with with Batwoman, uh, with Catwoman. Jesus, I'm, I cannot talk today. Um, with Catwoman and, and Penguin, and what that could look like now. So you know what, I I'm, I'm, I'd be okay with that uh, for for right now. And it also should be noted that this is just a rumor for now with Josh Gad rumored to be attached to Penguin for what feels like years. But also, I highly doubt those will be the only two villains from because more or less from day one of the Matt Reeves rumor mill, it's been rumored that there's going to be multiple Batman villains to kind of flesh out the world of Gotham, which I'm so okay with. So if there's other like ancillary villains of more minor roles of like a, hey, we have a quick scene with Firefly or something. I'd be okay with that too. Yes. Maybe we could, there, there could be a thing where they're not the main villain, but we open the scene, open the movie with him uh, in the middle of foiling, I don't know, one of Penguin's plots or something. Uh, I still am going back to my thinking that if they're going with more of a detective route, which I believe they should, then you go with a more serious Riddler, but... We'll yes. see the direction that they go. I'm just happy to finally be seeing some forward momentum for this movie. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some big details coming out of Comic-Con. But Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, real quick, the uh, before we get too far removed from the Robert Pattinson discussion, uh, I would really like to watch his most recent work, which is Lifehouse, that he does with... Willem Dafoe. Uh, William Dafoe and the director of uh, The Witch. Oh, it's the director of The Witch? Yes. Which is Ooh. even more why I want to go see it. Apparently, I got really, really props to find a way to acting ability that was released, oh, geez, five or six years ago. I forget now what it's called, but um, it basically is about uh, this guy. It happens the, like a week before 9-11. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. And uh, Pierce Brosnan is his dad. Yes, I forget which one, yes. what it's called, that but yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it's an incredible movie, and he's acting. In, he, his acting is incredible in it. So I, 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 I'm going to stand on my soapbox and say, don't if you if you know one actor because one film series that he's done, then I mean you don't watch movies. Yeah, basically, of you can't judge a person for one role. You can't judge. You can't be like, Mark Ruffalo is a terrible Hulk because he did 13 going on 30. Doesn't work that way. No. And likewise, you can't do that with directors. Just like Jordan Peele, you can't look at him and be like, he can only do comedies. And then he comes out with two horror smashes. Just like uh, our news that we have coming up with the resurgence of a new Saw film. Being yeah. Re- so I'm trying to figure out if this is a... Um, sequel or reboot or just a reimagining. What Josh is talking about is we're getting more soft films, one in particular coming out next year from the mind of Chris Rock of all people. Um, first off, 
I have not seen any of the Saw movies. I own the first seven. They're on my to-watch list. I really need to watch them. Now more than ever, with this news coming out, I definitely need to watch them. But um, apparently Chris Rock has had this story for a new Saw film for a while. So he's writing a new Saw film, being an executive producer for it, and while no one's outright stating it, and it kind of seems like he may star in the film, um, but he also has some interesting backing for him for this reboot, sequel, whatever it's going to be, of uh, the director will be the director of Saw 2, 3, and 4, with original creators of Saw, James Wan and Lee Winnell, being executive producers. This, as someone that has never seen a Saw film, but a general fan of horror all around, this absolutely sparks my interest. I am so curious by the prospect of this film. So, um... It actually makes me worried. Really? Why is that? Um, and it, funny enough, it has nothing to do with Chris Rock. I love a fresh perspective coming in and being excited about you know the story that they're trying to tell. Um, and I love that the producers of you know one one L are coming back. However, the director for two, three, and four. Two, three, and four are notorious. Well, at least three and four are definitely are notorious for not being good. Was it the direction or the story, though? Yeah, definitely the story. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I wouldn't be as opposed to it if Chris Rock really thinks he's got a solid idea here. That's fair. And you know what? Maybe I'm completely off base, and maybe I have no reason to be nervous. But at the same time, I... I'm pre- if I'm remembering the Saw series correctly, and you know you guys out there can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure three is where uh, Jigsaw's protege takes over, and it gets the games get ridiculous, and they can't win them. So it, it like the mo- movie automatically loses its its spark and its like interesting qualities because the games don't aren't, aren't worth it if if the you know people can't change and win the game. Yeah, I think for me, at least, as someone that hasn't seen any of them yet, the biggest problem with the Saw franchise is they killed their main character too soon, and every subsequent film after tried to retcon it, so he's back somehow. Yes, except the most recent one. Yes. Um, I think this is interesting just because it adds to the further trend that we've been seeing with comedians throwing their hat into the ring with horror, And rather successfully, honestly, Jordan Peele has had two financially successful films with Get Out and Us. While Us may not have had the reception that Get Out did, it still did very, very well. Um, You had that. You had um, John Krasinski doing A Quiet Place. And I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting uh, yeah, but like it, it, it's definitely this this trend, and honestly, it's been a very fresh feeling trend. Like, and I think that's that's a, a horse we, we've been beating for so long. In that, we need a re- new original ideas. We need fresh things to watch that aren't just retcons and reboots of, of old series. Now, I understand Chris Rock is gonna is basically doing a sequel or what whatever of an old old, old older series, but. At the same time, you still have – he's still coming in with a fresh perspective. And one of the things that you can, in my mind, bring from comedy is a very smart 
mind in that you can under you you understand your audience because as a comedian you have to understand your audience and you know what's happening in, in the world and you can have a movie with that's very smart and very intelligent and doesn't make your uh make your audience feel like you're pandering to them or trying to treat them like they're idiots yeah um if he can like chris rock has been active recently with a lot of producing and just other behind-the-scenes roles recently. So if he can really pull this off, I'm super curious. Um, comedians, like you said, I think they bring a new fresh take to this. Of, I think while I didn't really care that much for Get Out, I appreciate what Jordan Peele's done, both him and John Krasinski, because like you said, they're not making sequels. Get Out and A Quiet Place both are completely fresh, new, original ideas. In an era that people say originality is dead, you have two financially successful horror films from comedic guys that are doing well and well-received. Yes. So if Rock can keep that trend going, that's awesome. I always want more horror. That's totally okay with me. Well, and I'm always down with a fresh perspective. And I think... And DC, I think, is learning that right now in that, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't put all our chips in one basket in one director. Maybe have a overseeing, you know, director of the directors, but you can't have just one mind only in guiding everything. I mean, if you really quick, I mean, if you look at the history of horror, I mean, for a while there, there was horror all looked the same and was all the same thing. Yeah, it was, if you look at horror, especially the age of the Universal Monsters, it was more or less the first shared universe, but not shared universe. Like, you had crossovers and stuff, so they looked and felt somewhat similar, but somewhat different. Exactly. And which, you know, we're always down for original ideas. So when Sony Interactive Entertainment announces a launch of PlayStation Productions, yeah, uh, I'm always down with a you know, a fresh perspective like that. I don't know how that's a original perspective, but yeah, that does segue us into PlayStation productions, which honestly, I was really, really tempted to almost put this as our main discussion, but we're staying true to the course of best comic book movie casting choices. Um, but essentially what this news came out is, and not nearly enough people are talking about this, because I think this is huge for the industry, is um, Sony Interactive Entertainment has come out and said that they're no longer licensing out the properties for like A Last of Us or an Uncharted or God of War, Spyro, anything that Sony has made for PlayStation or whatever else, like an exclusive, they're no longer licensing out those titles. What they're instead doing is making their own production company, and that production company will be responsible for making that content for both TV and movies. So what does that mean? Uncharted movie! <laughs> well, I mean, yes. Arkinly. But, I mean, I, I mean I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by my segue. Um, games are some of the most original content out there right now. And they're also the most undertapped and underwhelming films out there right now. And unfortunately they, they've been abused. And I think this move by PlayStation productions to be like, you know what? We're just going to do it ourselves. 
Yeah, you is, guys have messed this up enough. Let us do it ourselves. Exactly, exactly. And it's really funny because that's on the heels of the Sonic trailer. That's on the heels of Detective Pikachu. Like, not to say that Detective Pikachu is bad or anything. I've heard good things, but to for for a, a game produ- production company to sit there and go, you know what? We feel like you you guys aren't treating our content with respect. And so we want to take care of it then. Yeah. That's, a, that's unprecedented, man. It, it's really exciting because like you like the games you just mentioned between God of War, between Uncharted, Crash Bandicoot. If you want to reach it, you know, all the way back there, you know, there's yeah, I so Heather, much. Um, yeah. Imagine a Spyro or Crash Bandicoot movie, but animated by Illumination. The people that did exactly. me. It could, it would, there's so much content and so many good stories you can tell. And that's the thing is the, the, the thing that gaming movies have done up to now is they try to be like the game and they try to basically like, all right, so we're just going to set up, we got to set up the world and then we got to do all this other stuff. Well, everybody's who, who is going to go see this movie, these game movies already knows about the game. They've played the game. They understand what's going on. I mean, if, if Warcraft, the Warcraft movie did anything, it tried too hard to explain the world instead of just be, instead of what the, the game does, which is basically go, OK, these are your choices of the world. This is how the world is. Just deal with it. Yeah. Doesn't try to explain anything. And looking at um, PlayStation's library, they're very cinematic already of oh, yeah. God Especially of War. Is a fantastic told story, whether it's a movie or a game. You know my feelings on Uncharted. I've wanted that as a movie for years because it's one of the most cinematic gaming franchises ever. Now, I've wanted an Uncharted movie forever. However, I had an idea pitched to me by Heather, and I was like, yeah, I want that instead of an Uncharted TV show of each season is a different treasure that they have to hunt down. Exactly. And I like that better. And I like the idea that they are, they're saying TV shows and movies. Cause yes, I it's not just think, one thing. Exactly. Cause I do think that some game, some games deserve the story is just too complex to pack into a movie. I think Warcraft would work perfect if it was a TV show. Um, whereas you have things like God of War, which would work really well as a movie, or you have Horizon Zero Dawn, which would work really well as a movie, especially that kind of large landscape. That's the kind of thing you want to see on a, on a theater screen. Or um, I know its popularity has more or less taken a nosedive in recent years, but think back to when The Walking Dead first came out, when it was really, really big at the time. Yes. Now, it could have a very good competition if they did a TV show version of The Last of Us. Oh, I agree. Or even Left for Dead. Yes. Now, before I, would, I go I would leave my Last of Us tangent, I recently rewatched Prisoners, and if you can get that Hugh Jackman to be Joel, mm. oh yes, absolutely. Oh, dude, th- like like I said, like, and I think that's why this is such a big concept that I that I agree. It's alarming that nobody's talking about this. That. The video game curse may finally be broken. Exactly. Like, and the the original content that gaming has had for years might finally be tapped in a beneficial, well-told story kind of way. 
I think the problem we run into a lot of times with video game movies is the creators feel like they have to recreate the game in terms of making you feel involved and feel like you're playing a game almost, where in reality they just need to figure out what worked narratively and just make that into a film. Like Uncharted works because it feels like you're playing a movie, not playing a game. It's cinematic in its scope. So basically deconstruct the narrative of an Uncharted game and just figure out a new story to tell. It's not exactly. that hard. No, exactly. And it's, it's, you, you know, you're uh, obviously you're going to have trouble with an uncharted because you're going to get all those comparisons to Indiana Jones. How, so you just got to figure out, okay, how do you make that different? How do you, you know, make it bigger, make it, you, how do you make it different, make it different from Tomb Raider? It, There's always the same treasure hunting stuff. Like exactly. the librarian. I've always, when people ask me what uncharted is like, I say, it's like, National Treasure meets the librarian. Yeah, exactly. Well, in even like just the scope of of God of War and especially the new one, you play the game like it's a movie. You find out more information as you go along. It's not like, oh, well, you know, got to explain everything through subtext, you know, before, you know, before the movie. No, like. Let us let us as the audience figure things out as we go. Now I feel like we've kind of gone off on, on a ta- tangent. So, but let, let's you know. Well, maybe... two things before we move on to our next one. Yeah, I want an Until Dawn movie. Yes, and maybe an unconventional pick, but I know who I want to be my Nathan Drake, and it may not be who you're thinking. I mean, I know I don't want Chris Pratt. That's not who I'm thinking. Good. Oscar Isaac. Yes, absolutely. After seeing the new trailer for Rise of Skywalker and just seeing how Poe interacted with people, especially in Force Awakens, that is so Nathan Drake to me. Of At the beginning of Force Awakens when he's being interrogated by Kylo Ren. So do I talk first? Do you talk first? That's a Nathan Drake yeah. response right there. Exactly. It's, there's a and lot honestly, of Honestly, his look there. in Rise of Skywalker is totally Nathan Drake, right down to the Henley, the scarf, and the khakis. Yes, absolutely. I'm like, I never knew I, knew I wanted this until now. Now I want nothing else. Mm-hmm. Except so, John Wick 4, which is coming yeah, in 2021 now. Which is really funny because I need everybody out there to write this in the history books. I know. I've seen a new movie before Nathan. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I was going to see it Friday, but the person I was going to see it with bailed. I feel you, dude. Now nah, it's – I will – dude, I I will say I don't think it's as good as the first two, but it's still up there. The story is what it needs to be. I flip-flop between if I like the first or the second one better. I think I lean a little bit more towards the second one just for the world building, so I'm super excited yeah. to see what they do with the third one. That being said – and I feel like this isn't a spoiler. I get the feeling John Wick doesn't die in this one, in the third one, if they're announcing a John Wick 4. Which, whatever. If we get more, like, high-quality films as they've been consistently delivering, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. John Wick is showing, more than anything, if you keep making quality content, people will eventually come. The first one made $17 million opening weekend. The second one, I think, made double that, like $35 million. 
And then yep. this most recent one, opening weekend, knocked off Avengers Endgame, which it was expected to do, but it did it with $57 million, the biggest opening for any John Wick film so far. So naturally, they want to make more, but the audience wasn't initially there for a John Wick 1. Of It got word of mouth, but they keep making good movies, and if you keep making good movies, people will eventually find it. Ain't that right, DC? Um, so if they keep making quality movies like this, why shouldn't they make more? And if they keep making it to this standard, the box office is only going to go up too. Maybe now they can have a budget of $10 million. Yep. Um, the clue I'll give to you is the name actually means more than I think we all gave it credit for, the name of the movie. Okay, I was about to say, is he actually secretly a candle? No, 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 no. Like the 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 name. Um, oh, parabellum. Uh, parabellum means a lot more than I think you you you. Oh man, the second one wasn't uh, named anything, was it? No, it was just so John Wick it, Two. Exactly. So it should it should perk some eyebrows if uh, if they all of a sudden started naming them. Oh, okay, I I like that hint. I like that hint. Yes. Um. So we also had some trailers drop. Some of them I'm okay with. Others I'm going to know next to nothing about, but they're still newsworthy. So we have our quote-unquote final trailer for Toy Story 4. I say quote-unquote final because there's always going to end up being like those TV spots that come out right beforehand. Um, I don't mind this trailer. It doesn't get me super excited. It feels very... Woody heavy, which continually furthers my theory that he's going to say goodbye to the rest of the gang in this film. Yeah, I um, yeah, it. I, they don't need to sell me anymore. I'm gonna get. They've already got my butt butt in the seat. Like, chill, guys. It's okay. Um, I do like how more uh Laura, Laura Croft uh Bo Peep gets the more we see of her. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's a, it is it's a thing man it, i don't know to me it feels I more like that. those um toy story animated shorts that they have instead of an actual toy story movie yeah there's 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 that feel i did hear somebody like and this is somebody that i have no respect for uh movie opinion wise um drop something that like i put in the back of my brain and i think I don't think they're going to do it, but it, there's some potential for them it to be interesting. So the they I don't know what adventure they're going on, really. I mean, it's to get sports. Toy Story movie. They have to go get a lost toy. It's the plot of every yeah, movie. Exactly. So that I think that'll all happen, right? And the person that you know the, had the theory is like, yeah, they're going to go on all this all this adventure and whatnot. But they're going to somehow end up in, in a you know another house uh, for reasons I don't know what reason you could have, but fill in the blank. And it turns out to be Andy's kids, and Andy's kids find like Woody and Buzz, and they start a new life with Andy's kids, and and they just show up out of nowhere. No. And so, uh, and I, I don't, I, there's a I'm part of me that, that down really immediately, like And you want to know why? Because you already had a fresh beginning. And three. Huh? Well, because the, the toys already got a fresh, fresh beginning in three. Well, also that, and if you watch 
when Andy hands the toys off to Bonnie, hands them all off, Bonnie's the exact same age, more or less, as she is now. Yes. And Andy's going off to college. So I highly doubt oh, you're right, you're Andy's right, going right. to have kids within the span of maybe no, a year. You, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Um, I didn't even think about the age difference there. But yeah, Bonnie hasn't really aged since Toy Story 3, so I don't think that's going to happen. It, it would it would have been a nice thing, but yes, to start, start at how it began. Yeah, but. that being said, I think Woody's saying goodbye to Buzz and his friends and stuff and maybe fin- and living the rest of his life with Bo Peep. There's a line in the trailer, though, that I think we're overlooking that's going to play into the story big, and that's when uh, Forky says, I've known him my whole life, all two days. I think Forky's going to more or less act as the audience for this of like, we've known Woody our whole lives. So we're going to have to say goodbye to him in this movie, I think. Also, I think think I'm going to like, what's it? Kaboom? Something, somebody, Kaboom? The mustachioed uh, motorcycle driver that's voiced by Keanu Reeves. Yes, I think so too. And honestly, I'm starting to kind of like the two um, stuffed animals that Buzz gets with. Yes. Yeah, how are we going to get these? We're going to do the fluffing stuff. Exactly. Well, we're not doing that. Oh man, it's going to be really hard to not like those those characters. I think it's just because we like Key and Peele. Well, maybe yeah, but at the same time, like, and I think that's what this one is doing is realizing there is some comedy in having certain actors play certain characters. Because, like, why wouldn't Key and Peele be, like, these super adorable stuffed animals that talk all gangster? Like, why wouldn't that be hap- Why wouldn't that happen? That's hilarious. Which, six degrees of Kevin Bacon here, Key and Peele's first feature-length film was a film called Keanu, which <laughs> now Toy Story 4 also has Keanu Reeves voicing Kaboom with a film also starring Key and Peele. Exactly. It's, it's, it's hilarious. I think it, <laughs> with the news that most of the cast cried on the last day. Yeah, I got uh, a bad feeling about that, man. I, I don't know if this is a good thing or if it's going to be bad. But, you know, there's only one way to find out. I think it'll be like good crying. It won't be like end of Game of Thrones type of, even the cast is frustrated type of thing. I think it's these characters, they've been attached to these characters for almost 25 years. Yeah. Oh, and I feel that. And and that's, and that only tells me more that this is the final end. Theoretically. I mean, theoretically, obviously, because we felt like it was the end in three, but I can see it being like Avengers Endgame, as weird as that of an analogy it is. This is the final story for Buzz, Woody and everybody else. But it's the first movie for the new guys, for uh, Key and Peele's characters, Bonnie's toys, Forky, the new toys, which we will see, because if they do that, they're going to have to uh, obviously make those characters lead a little bit more yeah i th- i think buddy and buddy uh woody and buzz are passing the baton to the new guys yeah we'll see we shall see um you want to talk now about for the trailer the that trailer? i know nothing about but it's, it's newsworthy okay, i think uh josh <laughs> do you know anything about downtown abbey downtown abbey I not know downtown 
downtown Abbey. Um, I know it's popular. Yes. And I know Professor McGonagall from Harry Potter's in it. And that the Beast from Beauty and the Beast was in it. That's all I know about it. Yep. No, that's all I got too, bud. Um, I, it's it's a big deal anytime a movie is made out of a t- out of a TV show. Obviously, that doesn't normally happen in my experience. And even if it does, it doesn't normally happen successfully. That true. That Firefly. Well, that's true. Yes, but like a movie doesn't normally get made of live action film uh, TV shows. Normally, that's that's to animate animated movies. Teen Titans go to the movies. Hey, don't you talk crap. I'm not talking crap. You're saying animated movie got trans animated show got translated to a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's a thing that's happening. I'm sure it it's a big deal to some people. I, it's not a big deal to me. Um, yeah, but I'm sure I know my, nothing I, about I, I, it. I watched yeah. the trailer just to kind of see what it's all about. Some of the cinematography is gorgeous to look at. That being said. As someone that's not really in the know with Downton Abbey, I'm just like, okay, sure, whatever. The King and Queen are coming to the, the, the place. I'm sure. I'm sure that means something a lot bigger than we're giving credit for. But yeah, whatever. Hopefully, I think this is more or less just like putting a bookend to the actual series, which even then it already had a finale. So for those that are Downton Abbey fans, I hope this brings you resolution if you didn't have it before. Yeah, I guess, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to ask my... Uh, I sh- what I should have done is I should have asked my um, my sister-in-law because she's, like, seen it and yeah. loves it, so... I know my mom has seen most of the episodes. Um, show is not my demographic. I don't really care for it. That being said, it's a huge following, so I wouldn't be surprised if this movie does moderately well. I don't think it'll get a sequel, though, just because it doesn't really need one. Now, a movie that I do think will get a sequel, primarily because I think this movie's going to be awesome. Mark my words, it will be. Um, Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. So this is the start of a new era, uh, an undisputed era, if you will. Uh, so Universal got tired of failing so much with their Universal monsters, with Dracula Untold, supposed to be the start of the Dark Universe. Then when that failed, they're like, um, no, actually the mummy was the start of our Dark Universe. Forget about Dracula Untold. Then that flopped even harder and was just one of the worst movies I've ever seen. The movie's trash. They're like, okay, we clearly can't do this. Blumhouse, please take over. So Blumhouse yeah. is now more or less redoing all the classic Universal monsters, and I'm so on board for that. So we're starting it off with Lee Winnell, who most recently did the film Upgrade, which I've heard great things about. I haven't haven't gotten a chance to get around to watching it yet. I've heard it's fantastic. Um, He's doing The Invisible Man, and now we have a release date, and it's a whole heck of a lot sooner than I was expecting. March 13th, Friday the 13th, 2020. So... A few months away. Yeah. Um, like 10 months away. Yeah. Uh, which tells me that they've they've been working on this for quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, there's some rumors of some casting, but nothing official yet. Um, Josh, how familiar are you with the original Invisible Man or the story of the Invisible Man? It's been remade a couple um, times. 
Nah, like not really that too, like too familiar. Um, I know enough to know that it's an interesting choice to start it here. As someone that owns the original Universal Monsters, and I'm working my way through, The Invisible Man was the first one I watched because I knew this movie was coming. And I'll say this, I loved it. It's so good, and some of the effects in it are incredible for its time. It still holds up so well, but the acting in it is really, really good. Um, going into it, I thought, what's so scary about an Invisible Man? But as I watched the movie, I'm like, this concept is terrifying. Put it in modern day? This absolutely could work of you can't track this guy. You never know if he's actually in the room with you. Like, unlike Michael Myers, who always, like, stands in the shadows and he could be anywhere. This guy could literally be anywhere and you would never know. And that's terrifying and it's wonderful. The original Invisible Man is a great film and I can completely understand why there's this huge following. Um, that being said, you're kind of right of why would you start with this one? Because in the great pantheon of the Universal Monsters, to me it goes Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mummy. Like, Invisible Man doesn't even register in the top five of, like, the most iconic ones. Heck, if you're, if you're not even that interested, you could probably get Mummy and Invisible Man mixed up as, oh, yeah, the bandaged guy. But I really like Invisible Man. I've heard great things about Lee Winnell as a director. That be I'm actually this is one of the most anticipated movies of next year, if I'm being honest. I, I would agree. I, I think the big thing too is <laughs> it, it is the interesting one, but it's also that's that what that's what piques me, piques my interest. Is what that, have they got to lose? Honestly, exactly at this point and. It's all the the thought I've always had because I don't know anything about Invi- the Invisible Man, Man. Is I don't know like his morality. You know what I mean? I don't it know. It starts I've off seen... as relatively innocent enough of a dude that is afraid that he's going to be disappear into nothing if he doesn't find a cure, and then eventually he kind of gets driven to madness when people won't just leave him the F alone and he starts going insane and it's great. Exactly. So, so with that in mind, then like, how long do you, how long do you take and keep him innocent? How long do you, you know what I mean? It could be like, do you go full throttle and eventually turn him into a serial killer? Or do you just keep him to where he's, you know, I'm just kind of this, this, uh, this guy who is just wants to be left alone. Yeah. Either way, I'm super excited, and I hope that this does well. That way we could see future films. Like, I would love a good version of a Frankenstein or a good version of a modern Dracula. Make vampires scary again, please. Uh, well, just th- I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I want, I still want the witch director to tackle Nosferatu, so. Uh, we're getting a Nosferatu. A Nosferatu, and it looks weird. Now, if I remember correctly, it's a really, like, famous, really good director. I forget who it is. I'll look it up sometime. Are, are, talk- are you talking about the one with uh, Zachary Quinton? Uh, I don't know who is rumored to be Nosferatu, but I've heard of a Nosferatu coming. Uh, the, the, the logo is a, a license plate. I have no idea. Okay, then I don't think we're talking about the same movie. 
Yeah, there's, there is a Nosferatu coming, but I would like to see the classic Universal Monsters. I really enjoy them quite a bit, and I would like to see them take center stage again. Of uh, A lot of people don't really go back to those anymore. They're like, oh, black and white, that's not scary. But without them, you wouldn't have your Conjurings. You wouldn't have your Insidious. You wouldn't have Halloween. Without the Universal Monsters, you wouldn't have Universal. Let's just put it that way. And I want them to come back because... They're big historical things. They're it's just a big deal. So, Masters of Horror, I want them back in the forefront. And I think Invisible Man, absolutely, if they do it right, can be the beacon that more or less starts this whole new thing. Absolutely. Now, this one is another interesting news topic. So, Kevin Feige, I don't know what interview he must have been doing for this. Um, Kevin Feige has come out and more or less address some backlash or something. The MCU more or less has done a lot of things right character-wise. However, they really dropped the ball with one character in particular, the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. I really liked Ben Kingsley's performance up until they revealed that he wasn't the actual Mandarin and he was just an actor named Trevor Slattery. That's the biggest slap in the face a movie has given me in the theater and I'm still annoyed about to this day. However, Kevin Feige has come out and said, more or less retconning, I believe, uh, come out and said that the real Mandarin and the real Ten Rings still exist in the MCU and that they will actually appear at some point. Whether this is just retcon or an apology for the events of Iron Man 3 or backtracking, I've that remains to be seen. That being said, thanks Kevin Feige for taking that on the chin and just going, all right, the real Mandarin is still out there. So Josh, first of all, what do you make of that? And two, if the real Mandarin is out there, where do you think he can reappear? Um, first of all, um, I don't like the cat Kim, Kevin Feige did this. Hmm. Um, not because I like the Mandarin that they present, not because I, I, you know, for some reason thought that, you know, that was the Mandarin or what have you, but I would have preferred to keep that a secret. I would have preferred them to just pull that out of their butt out of nowhere and all of us be like, oh, uh, oh, OK. All right, cool. You know what I mean? I would I would have preferred that that kind of information stay hidden. And and that's just I mean, that that would be me just wanting because it, it's already theor- it was already theorized that that was the case. Well, um, we already had that Marvel one shot attached to, I think, either Thor the Dark World or something of All Hail the King where Trevor Slattery's killed in prison. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, uh, there's a part of it too that I wouldn't have mind if Trevor actually turned out to be the Mandarin because I kind of enjoyed him as as the Mandarin when he was like acting as the Mandarin. But um, yeah, I I kind of wish he would have kept it that close to the chest. Whatever. It is what it is. It's out there now. Um, If he does show up, where do you see him showing up in? Yeah, that's – I was going to say that's where you bring in – I think your name is Madison, um, Tony's daughter. Really? Yes. I think – I mean it's going to be a few years and you're going to have to figure out how to fit her into the timeline. But have her grow up. Have her – be interested and be just as smart as her dad, have her be an actual good person. Um, 
which she should because her dad legitimately sacrificed himself for the good of the whole universe. Um, but like have her, have Mandarin be her first villain, dude. That's her, for her big baddie. I go a different route and a more, a movie that's going to be, that is a hundred percent confirmed and is happening and will happen a lot sooner than a Morgan movie. Um, it has nothing to do with Iron Man, though. And it's going to, may seem like an out of left field pick, primarily just because I don't know the character that well. Then again, I don't know the manner that well. So I don't know if these characters have actually crossed paths, but I think it'd be a good combination. The Shang-Chi movie. Shang-Chi? So it's going to be the first um, Asian actor led Marvel movie of basically he's the world's greatest martial artist. So Iron Fist. No, people will care about this guy. Oh dang! Why you gotta and, be like that? Um, and unlike Iron Fist, he doesn't have any mystic powers. He's just the Donnie Yen of the world. Fair enough. Um. Uh, okay. I I guess sure. Why not? That makes sense. Um. I guess. I just, mm, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I. I'm more just frustrated with the whole Mandarin twist. I don't know where he fits in. Yeah, because now without Tony, where, where do you, you've, you've legit, like, because as far as I'm aware, he only, Mandarin only appears in Iron Man stories. Yeah, now, basically. I could definitely be, yeah, I could be, very much be wrong about that, and I expect somebody to post on our Facebook page about how wrong we, I am about that. But Yeah, any Mandarin um, experts out there? Yeah, geez. Um, but that to me, that that you almost have to go with Morgan unless you're going to pull him out of your butt for no reason. We'll see. You may end up like on Disney Plus, one of those type of shows, which leads us to our final news topic of the day with something on Disney Plus. The Captain, the Winter Soldier and Falcon series, which I almost guarantee at some point will be renamed Captain America and the Winter Soldier, um, given the events of Avengers Endgame. It's apparently going to start yep. shooting in October, um, with the rumored villain being Zemo returning from Captain America Civil War, with Sharon Carter also returning. Boo. To which? To, to Zemo. Really? I love Zemo as a character, but the one that we got in Civil War is terrible. And I think that's why I'm okay with it, because we didn't get a whole lot of Zemo in Civil War. So he fits as a good starter villain for the two of them to take care of. Something that I also didn't think about until today is Zemo is one of the people that knows how to get to Winter Soldier. He had the book for a little bit there. I I agree. He can pull I on guess. the strings of Winter Soldier after Bucky's more or less made this full face turn of you have the one dude that could still potentially control him. Yeah, but at the same time, I if you're ever going to do anything with, with uh, Bucky character-wise, you need to separate him from it. You need to be sh- – well, I guess that's how you show. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. how you show that, that he is – he's able to overcome those challenges. Um. However, I just really wanted the Baron Zemo from comics, but yeah, purple whatever. mask. Give him the purple mask. Give him the sword. Make him a mar- marksman. Come on. 
please. Anything. Like, well, he's a also, smart dude. Um, this isn't being widely reported, but um, a coworker of mine at one of my jobs um, said that they were actually filming in my area and that they were going to need some extras and production assistance. So I'm going, oh? Ooh, get on that, man. That could be, that could be, you know. Yeah, because most movies things. don't film in my area. They film in the Atlanta area. That's where they filmed uh, Civil War, I believe Winter Soldier and Avengers. So. Yeah. But if they do come in my area, I'm going to hop on that real quick. Well, you do that, man. You do that. I'm I'm still super excited for the series. I think. For now, it's going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier, and by the end of the season, Falcon's going to have his Captain America Falcon suit, the white suit and everything. Yeah, and I think, you know what? And that will also complete Bucky's arc, too, of, like, full redemption by defeating the evil that used to control his mind. Yeah, I can see that. I can see them changing the name uh, to Captain America and Bucky um, because... Falcon just because he has the shield doesn't make him captain, and so it it will be a journey for 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 Falcon as well of learning how to be this new character that he's not that he wasn't before, and also coming to grips with he's not going to be Steve Rogers Captain America he's going to be Falcon's Captain America it's going to be something different for him and trying to fill the shoes physically and metaphorically left by Steve Rogers. Yeah. Plus, I just like exactly. Anthony Mackie as Falcon. More Falcon, please. Absolutely. Um, so that'll about do it for news topics. Before we get into our main discussion, Josh, got any sponsors for this week? Uh, today's sponsor is uh, Icy Hot. When your bones don't work, let us ice, them, ice and heat them up, and maybe they will eventually. So I had a thought at work earlier this week. Why don't they make Icy Hot clothing? Um, ask uh, Xavier Woods. Um, I don't know if you've heard his story. Uh, Xavier Woods, for those who don't know, is a uh, professional wrestler. He wrestles in a team called the uh, New Day. Um, he tells a story on one of the – I believe it's a table for – no, it's a – uh, on a ride along of the day he he was sore everywhere so he um covered his sheets in icy hot and he woke up in the middle of the night and his uh tender areas both front and back were on fire so i feel like the clothing would not be a good idea <laughs> I'll, I'll keep brainstorming that idea and eventually it'll be a thing Oh, absolutely. You know, eventually we're, we're going to be millionaires because you made ice hot clothing. Yeah, we'll be millionaires just like Tony Stark, who may or may not be on my list for the best comic book movie casting choices of all time. Absolutely. I, I would totally get that. Which, uh, hey, that happens to be our topic for tonight. Yeah, so I was thinking about it, and a lot of mine, like the big names... I started to like super nitpick after a while. I was just like, yeah, but they were like really good in the role, but they didn't really, there weren't the comics that I know, or I haven't seen enough of them. Like I wanted to put Tom Holland's Spider-Man on this list, but I didn't because we haven't gotten enough of them yet. 
We've gotten sure. one full movie and three partial movies. So after a couple more movies, then I feel confident about him. That being said, I do have some Spider-Man-related characters on this list. Before I start getting into some of my picks, Josh, start us off. Who do you think are some of the most accurate and best comic book to movie adaptation character-wise? Doesn't have to necessarily be main characters or main heroes, just any adaptation from a comic book to a main to a movie. So this might come out of left field, but this definitely comes out of my love of comic books, um, which is definitely the point of this discussion, right? Um, I'm going to go Aaron Taylor Johnson, but not as Quicksilver. Oh, yep. I know where you're going. As Kick-Ass. He's, I, I enjoy both of those movies quite thoroughly. And he's, 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 he's a great character because first of all, it's accurate towards the comic books. Second of all, you buy him as this weakling and this person who's just scared but much like Deku in uh, My Hero Academia, his body and his instincts are to help people. He can't sit back and, and you know, just let people be hurt. And you really buy that in his acting, in, in, especially in both movies. Oh, yeah. I have not seen the second one to know how it is. I enjoyed the crap out of the first one. Uh, this is going to come as a shock to absolutely no one, but by far my favorite character was Nicolas Cage's Big Daddy. Um, watch uh, the second one, and Jim Carrey will quickly become your favorite as well. I don't know, man. Just Jim Carrey in general. You know my feelings on him. Here's the thing. He's a serious actor, though. Like, he's a serious character in the movie. It's hilarious. I'm going to go on the complete flip side of you from a comedic comic book character to like the most serious of serious 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 comic book characters <laughs> ever but the oh, one are you, that are you more serious? people needs to see this movie because it's fantastic and it's one of the best comic to big screen adaptations ever carl urban as dread yes i was gonna save him but for later but yes he is so spot on and biggest and most importantly never takes off the helmet after seeing Dread, I wanted Carl Urban as Batman so bad because of what he brought to the table. I think Carl Urban as an actor is just vastly underappreciated considering how many big franchises he's attached to. Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, um, now the MCU for a little bit there. Yeah. But Dread, I think Dread is one of his best performances. He's so good and the emotion he's able to c- convey, which is his body language and the lower half of his face because he's covered up by a mask he is so spot on to dread and i love it oh absolutely so speaking of characters that you can't quite emote everything with um my second is charlie cox as daredevil really yes i greatly appreciate his matt murdoch and his daredevil in that show especially i mean obviously uh, not ben affleck no and okay that movie is not ben affleck's fault but still uh, um, honorable mention though before we get sidetracked with the ben affleck thing honorable mention to michael clark duncan as the kingpin oh absolutely absolutely i think his but, performance really gets overlooked because of how bad the movie is he's a fantastic kingpin i mean but you know in comparison to the kingpin we got in, in, the, in the netflix show i mean he's 
he's I, I don't know I don't know it's two different universes basically but Charlie Cox uh considering he has to not only act like a man who doesn't have senses but de- technically has senses so yes he's blind but he can kind of still see so it, it, just the complexity complexities of just visually making you know acting as that character is inc- is incredibly difficult and you buy it you buy charlie as as matt murdoch and he's very charming he's very it's very comic book accurate in that that way until you get to his suit but that's not really the character so yeah i've never liked the daredevil suit no i i genuinely actually really got i really was down for his his black like devil of hell oh yeah his black is so much better than the actual daredevil suit I don't know which suit I hate more, the Daredevil suit, like his final form Daredevil suit, or Ezra Miller's in The Flash. Uh, I'm going to go Daredevil. Because at least, like, at least The Flash is like, yo, he's really fast. He needs a a specific kind of, um, like, armor or whatever. But, you know. Yeah, if we're going just off aesthetics in terms of ripping it from the comics, Daredevil's a long way off. It is. Still better than Iron Fist, though. I agree, but Charlie Cox is, is... it, it is very good. Staying on the Marvel train, I'll go with my two picks that I got from the actual MCU. Just by and large, the MCU has had phenomenal casting. Um, and there's one lady has, that's done the casting for all of the MCU, except for one movie, The Incredible Hulk. And look how good the casting turned out for that, Edward Norton. Yeah. Um, Sarah Finn, I believe is her name. You are the unsung hero of the uns- of the MCU, Seraphin, because you've casted everyone so perfectly. But it to me, it begins and ends with the two major tentpole characters of Iron Man and Captain America. These guys are so perfect in their roles. Oh, they, it's it's almost impossible to see them as anything else, especially Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. The dude, I don't know if he was acting or not. He's just. Iron Man. He really is. And now I thought about putting Hugh Jackman's Wolverine on this list, and I'll say it as an honorable mention. I'll say he was phenomenal as Fox's Wolverine. That being said, I never got the sense that he was the comic Wolverine. I always felt like he was a movie Wolverine. I always appreciated how long he was with the character, and I loved what he brought to the table. That being said, I'll never go out and say that he was a comic-accurate Wolverine, like Christian Bell's Batman. They're great, not necessarily the most comic book-accurate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And speaking of comic book accuracy, um, my next pick is actually outside the realm of DC and Marvel. Oh, I got a couple of those, too. Yeah, I'm going to go Hugo Weaving as V for Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good one. Because it is based off of a comic, and not only is it incre- is it an incredible movie, but and I'm kind of I think I see us sticking with this um, this theme of people having to act without most of their face. Hugo Weaving literally wears a mask the entire time, but conveys so much through his body language and the the the, the cadence in his voice. It's incredible. Yes, and Hugo Weaving just, as an actor, is fantastic. I liked his Red Skull, but his real best comic book role is V for Vendetta. The calmness of his voice, the he more or less just 
acts with his voice and his body. Like you get, like you said, none of his face, which is where a lot of acting is. But he just acts with his voice and his mannerisms. But yet you get what V is saying every time. And it's wonderful. And even when he goes on his long, big word tangents, you understand the direction he like the emotional direction he's taking with the sentence because of the cadence of his voice, because of his body language. It's 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 incredible to watch. It's somehow both comforting and unnerving at the exact same time. Absolutely. Now, I know you'll appreciate this. My next two are somewhat obscure characters, and they belong to neither Marvel or DC, and they're more or less the definition of cult superheroes. But to me, they're ripped straight out of the comics, and that is Hellboy and the Crow. Yes. Yes. A thousand times yes. And it's, I mean, I will always say this, it's really unfortunate what happened to Brandon Lee because he is, in my mind, the best one of the best comic book castings there has ever been big oh my goodness he's ripped right from the panel he is the crow he really is and like it it helps like it was a big gamble too taking brandon lee i think think this is like his first like big big acting like i think before this it was just a few kung fu movies um but like he used is he's not using martial arts really in this movie he's he's acting in this movie and And acting incredibly well too yeah absolutely he's such a phenomenal actor and i just i really enjoy the crow it doesn't get nearly the uh the attention that it deserves nowadays but in terms of hard r-rated dark dreary storytelling in a comic book movie the crow is just revolutionary. If you look at the other comic book movies at the time, this is by and away one of the best ones of its time. It was like the pre-second age of superhero movies. Like you had your first really one was. of like your 89 Batman, your Supermans. This is kind of stuck in the middle, and that's why I think it gets overlooked a lot of it. came out at the wrong time. If it came out nowadays, get a lot more attention, I think. I agree, and that's why... I think it was so sad when um, Jason Momoa walked away from that role. That movie, uh, I genuinely believe, is cursed. You've had I, three so big-name actors attached to the film. All have dropped out. I think just as many directors have been attached and dropped out. I think the film is essentially canceled at this point. Well, the I think whole so too, Crow like, franchise, at the same time, after died, is cursed. Well, and here's the thing. my I mean, Jason Momoa did apologize. He, 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 I think he said that was not necessarily something he wanted to do, but it was a scheduling issue more than anything else. I don't fine. blame him at all. If you are attached to something and there's been zero progress made for years, you have every right to leave. Absolutely. I'm with you. Um, and going and, back to Hellboy, your boy, Ron yeah, Perlman. We, we not... totally just gushed all over, uh, over the crow there. Hmm? I said we totally just gushed over the all, the crow and completely forgot Ron Simmons. Ron uh, Roman? Roman, I'm sorry. Jeez. It's yeah, been a long not time. David Harbour. Sorry, David Harbour. You're just you're not Ron Perlman. Which is yeah. essentially all we could say about the new Hellboy movie. And, and it's really tough too because it's it's 
when you have the effects, I suppose the effects and how everything looked in the in the this new one, which I still have to see, it's hard. It's really sad that we have to look at the two Hellboys and go, well, Ron Perlman's is better. Well, yeah, he's just. I don't know, when I see him, that's Hellboy. He's just perfect. There's I some agree. actors that when you see the design, see how they act, it's just perfect. Whether it's Ron Perlman's Hellboy or my next pick, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Yeah. I'm some with people you on are that. just born to play certain roles. And I think to me, the biggest part about Deadpool and one, Ryan Reynolds' personality, and two, Finally having movement in a mask because half of Deadpool's expressions come from the eyes and that's something that's been missing for so long, especially Spider-Man movies. And emoting from the eyes is a big thing in comics and just Ryan Reynolds is born to play Deadpool. Absolutely. Speaking of people born to play certain roles, uh, let's you think we're going to get out of this discussion without talking about J.K. Simmons as uh, uh, Triple J? Dang it! That was my number one. That is, to me, the single greatest casting in a comic book movie ever. That will never be topped. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, when I think of taking a comic book, and just slapping it on a movie screen, that is what I think of. He is the perfect J. Jonah Jameson. Whenever I see any J. Jonah Jameson, whenever I read any Spider-Man comics, I hear J.K. Simmons' voice. Oh, because you you can't... Like, even when the new game, they had to get a guy that sounded a lot like him, just just even for fans to pass it. Just the look, the sound. He is J. Jonah Jameson fully. Just, I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Then when the Far From Home trailer dropped and they said multiverse, I saw a great meme that just showed um, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. And it's like, you say multiverse? Because <laughs> well, he said he'd be willing to come back as J. Jonah. I'm like, please, you were, you were the only one. It would be perfect. I've heard rumors really people are like, what about Terry Crews as J. Jonah Jameson? I'm like, that'd be cool. But J.K. Simmons, though. Exactly. Um, I just, I just like, I don't care if he's not a main character. He is the single best comic book movie casting of all time. Oh, he totally is. Uh, one of the other ones that uh, I really enjoyed um, and I think are incredibly accurate. I mean, the the show itself might not be a little as accurate, but his portrayal of the character is accurate. Um, and that's John Ber- um, Bernthal's uh, Punisher. Oh, that's a good one too. Absolutely, you you get that this man is tortured, and you get you understand why he is the way he is, and he just he's just here to watch the world burn, bro. Yeah. Um. On the flip side of that. The guy that they got to play Luke Cage, spot on too. Oh, absolutely. That that's how that's exactly how I would picture him as. Do you have any others? Because I got one last big one besides Jay Jonah. Um I'm trying to think. Um how do you feel about Michael Fassbender's uh Magneto? Uh, I, I feel about him as I do about Wolverine. He's a fantastic movie magneto, but not comic accurate. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm with you on that. 
Just like James, uh, like a lot of the X Men characters, they're great, yeah. but not what I think the MCU will use them for. Essentially, yeah, that, that's fair enough. I, I guess then Michael Keaton's Vulture would fall into that category as well. Yeah, Michael Keaton is a great Vulture, not comic accurate. That being exactly. said, you're going to be hard yeah. pressed to have a comic accurate Vulture be believable exactly. in 2019. And that's I think that this, this, this but somehow they're making Mysterio this. comic accurate. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, but then again, he doesn't have like a flying like vulture suit that you got. He has a fishbowl head. He does, but you know you can. That's that's not as hard to do as like literal wings that are from the comics. You got any others? Because I got one uh, last one that you're forgetting. I said I'm. I'm I, I have a. Once I started, I started like losing my mind like I couldn't I'm really I'm so much better with having like visuals in front of me so I ha- I've been going through a list uh the past couple of days just to car- try and like you know get get my brain going so long um, as Jay Joe and Jameson's on the list somewhere and is always number one uh yeah it's it's been a great list so far man um trying to think because I can bring it home with one last one that you seem to be forgetting about as a lot of people forget about um, outside of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, but then again, he's that's not, a good movie one. I don't think that's like yeah, comic he's accurate. not comic accurate. Um, jeez, in terms that, of being that, ripped from the comics, it's it's it an is, out of left field pick. But if you've seen the movie, you can't disagree with this one. Jackie okay. Earl Haley as Rorschach. Oh, oh, yeah. I always think Rorschach is one of the most spot-on comic interpretations of all time. But everyone always overlooks it because it's not one of the mainstream comic book characters. Hmm. Fair enough. Now whenever I read Watchmen and I read Rorschach, um, I hear his voice. It's so spot-on. That, no, yeah, Absolutely. To the point of, I'm still mad that Jackie Earl Haley isn't our carnage. Yeah. Man. Huh. I'm blown away that I forgot about that. A lot of people do. That's why I'm like, I need to include Rorschach somewhere on this list. Because whether you like Watchmen or you hate it, you can't deny that Rorschach was amazing in that movie. He really is. And especially as such a, as a small character, like... Stature wise, as he is, he really, he really like brings the role, and you and they get the mask it. to work and everything, just mm-hmm. spot on. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about Zack uh, Snyder, he got the casting right for that one. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. I think honorable mention to uh, Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Um, I love his Odin. Granted, we mm. don't see much of much of him to really get that, but um. Any uh, any more honorable mentions, bro? Uh, no, I don't think so. Again, if there's say- any that you feel like should be on this list, we probably have thought about it, but it's probably a better movie version and not necessarily comic accurate one. Like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is a fine Spider-Man, not necessarily the most comic accurate. Same thing with Andrew Garfield. Tom Holland has the chance to be, but we want to give him a couple more movies before we actually put him on this list. Yeah, I will say um, my last one will be the cast of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. 
and I know I got got my buddy uh, Weslow out in the out in the listening, and he's also read the, the read the comics and the 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 casting for Scott Pilgrim versus the World is very spot on. Yeah, I've seen the comic, and yeah, you're right. It is so close to the original. Even the acting is pretty is pretty spot on. Oh, I do have two honorable mentions. Um, oh yeah, from the world of Spider Man, obviously, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Yeah, and the one of the most criminally underrated performances in all of Spider Man Pantheon, Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman. Yes, he Absolutely. was so good. He was ripped straight out of the comic. And while I will defend Spider-Man 3 is not nearly as bad as people make it out to be, Salmon is the best thing about that movie. When he has to reconstruct himself to literally pull himself together to save his daughter after he becomes Salmon the first time, that's one of the best scenes in the entire trilogy. And he's a great character in Salmon. Salmon is in Spider-Man 3. And just his aesthetic and how he acts, perfect for Salmon from the comics. Spot on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in, you know what? I, I think I'm very proud of us for narrowing it down to comic book accurate casting choices because it'd be very easy to just throw people like Heath Ledger in there and non non uh, conventional choices. But Michael Keaton's very Batman, proud of us. they're great in their own right, but in terms of representing the source material, not always the case. Exactly. Not that it's bad. You have to make some changes to fit a movie as opposed to a comic. It's a different medium. But every once in a while, you can translate it perfectly with great results as we've demonstrated today. Absolutely. And I, I'm very proud of us for pulling some ones out of our out of the hat that are uh, not Marvel or DC. Yeah, we got some obscure ones today. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite comic book movie adaptation characters? Like characters adapted from comics, just came to life on the big screen. What are some of your all-time favorites? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that be Google Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify. And as always, if you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe to us on the main Uncharted Media channel at youtube.com slash Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.